up what is up i hope you guys are feeling fantastic i hope you guys are doing good and i hope you guys can take a whole lot from today's episode but first and foremost a lot of you guys have been getting at me about you know just hey man i know you got the new p hanger rig and all that good stuff and how's that going just stay tuned for that um i'm gonna start more of a blog approach just so that you guys can really see what i'm doing some of you guys want it more in depth and obviously try to keep you guys updated every week week via the podcast and trying to get these videos up on YouTube, but video editing, honestly, takes a little bit longer, so that being said, you know, I'm just going to try to make sure that all these things are there for you guys, and keep DMing me, keep messaging me, so I, I can just answer these questions in mass when they do pop up, and if you guys are interested and want to learn more, check out the product, be sure to check out p-hanger.de, and uh, check out the episodes I've had with Robert Ivanko, you know, been blessed in having him on the podcast twice already, so you guys want to learn more definitely be sure to check that out for PE coaching be sure to check out my boys from jealous2grow.com and get the bomb too man excellent for healing it's my post-workout routine guys right so that's all that good stuff in that regard as far as PE for now and the other thing I was just going to say if you guys are looking to get in shape you guys are looking to lose that fat get rid of the jiggle I can help you you want to put on muscle mass I can help you there too so be sure to reach out to me and we'll get that happen ASAP and get you in the best shape you've ever been, bro. So get at me. That being said, that's enough of today's announcements. Let's just jump into today's episode with Jeff Sikarski. You know, we talked about purpose, man, and why that's so important. Why so many young men, I think, in this day and age, aren't really feeling that they are on the right path, right? And he talked about himself, you know, he talked about all the accolades that he had acquired and yet he still felt that he had not really reached what he wanted to in life or he just felt like there was something missing right which actually led him to creating sea level right which is a retreat in where you go to this beautiful country aka costa rica hollow <laughs> you guys know that's where i'm from and you know he has a beautiful retreat set up there they talk about all kinds of different things and they basically you know they Talk about what it is to really connect with yourself, find your true purpose, and how to basically better your life in this situation, right? Become a better father, husband, friend, you know, all these good things, you know, and you're in a brotherhood where there's a whole bunch of dudes and they're talking and being just open about how they feel, what they feel, and just talking about life. I thought that was a beautiful, beautiful thing that, you know, Jeff is a part of, right? And I think it's something that, hey, if you're looking for a place to just kind of go to decompress, to kind of realign yourself with your purpose with your life you want to get better you want to be a better husband you feel like you're a little bit out of whack Perdeep Sangha who's been on the show as well mentioned the same thing how he takes two days off a year to just go and think right and I think we all need that and believe you me I'm like oh man I want to go so bad if you are interested or you think that interests you be sure to click the links in the description below so you can get in touch with Jeff and his peoples right and just a little bit more on Jeff before we jump on in. This guy's had over 20 years of integrated startup experience and expertise in transformational spaces, business, technical operations, and leadership. This guy's worked in the white collar side of things, man, and the startup side of things, and he knows exactly what he's doing in that regard. However, he does feel that what he's doing now is 
hey man, what he's doing now is really helping men align themselves with their purpose, right? And that's kind of what led him to create C-Level to evoke the personal power in individuals and organizations alike, building frameworks, tools that are all designed to help you execute your vision at an accelerated pace. Keyword is accelerate. A lot of people kind of start these things, they get aligned, you know, and then all of a sudden it takes eight years, <laughs> you know, and that's where Jeff really comes in to really help you get going on things. And, you know, he's, he's really working on making that a reality for a lot of dudes and just line them up with their purpose, which I found to be beautiful. And the conversation that we had was nothing short of spectacular. So guys, buckle up and get ready for an excellent episode today with none other than Jeff Sikarski. And be sure to click, click, twink. Come on, man. Be sure to click the links in the description below. If you want to learn more about C-Level or get in touch with Jeff. All right, enough my appin'. Let's jump on in to today's episode with Jeff Zakarski. Before we get started, one more thing. If you want to get any PE gear, be sure to check out TotalManShop.com. That is TotalManShop.com. And use the promo code MHS2020. Promo code is MHS2020. And get 12% off. Be sure to check out their wide variety of all kinds of good quality PE equipment. All right. And that's promo code MHS2020 for 12% off. And the website, once again, is totalmanshop.com. What is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Masculine Health Solutions Podcast, where I am joined by none other than Jeff Sakarski, who's got a very, very intriguing story that he's going to share with us into how his life kind of changed and changed for the better. So first and foremost, Jeff, how are you today, sir? CJ, I'm doing good, man. It's great to be in your presence. You know, I love just jumping in with somebody that I don't know. And just kind of seeing what's there. I don't think a lot of people do that. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah, man. I mean, you podcast as well. So I guess you kind of know the feeling and it's kind of like a love of the game kind of thing after a while, I guess. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So the first thing I wanted to really jump into was your story and how your life kind of did the U-turn that it did. Because you said um, when I was reading your bio, you were working with Moby or for Moby, if I'm not mistaken. Um, for yes. Oh God. Yeah. Now you're just taking me back. Like I think <laughs> there's, there's a lot of moments where I, uh, don't always remember yeah. parts of my story. So, uh, yeah, I had a, had a really cool experience and, and it's one of those, um, I don't know. It's, it's like this, it's a very LA thing. I think like if you're, if you're out in the world and you tell people this story, like I'm from Michigan originally. So like if I'm, if I'm a Michigander and I tell people how I got to this thing, people in Michigan are just going to look at me cross-eyed and <laughs> wonder what the hell that I'm actually talking about. Um, but in LA, you tell the story and it's kind of, people just kind of nod their head and they're like, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense. Um, but uh, yeah, my story, uh, and I'll, I'll definitely get to the Moby component because I'm sure that's the the most recognizable uh, aspect to, to my story, but, you know, my story started much earlier than that when I really decided to, to leave Michigan, you know, I don't know what it's like, um, 
I don't know what it's like for people that stay in the town that they were born in. You know, I know some people love it and they grow up mm -hmm. that way and it's just kind of how things go. But my growing up, I just, I felt like there was something more that I wanted to create in this world. And I did not feel that that was available for me in the way that I wanted it back in Michigan. Um, part of my thing is that, you know, some people are like, oh, I'm going to do this really slow kind of sit and I'm going to take the next two years and I'm going to slowly inch away and all that kind of stuff. And I'm more of the rip the bandaid off, pivot <laughs> on a dime kind of guy, you know, where I decided to leave Michigan and in 30 days I was gone, you know, and I was out to Colorado. Um, and I, and I did it again from there, which took me to LA, but the, the quick backstory that gets us to the part that everybody wants to hear is, you know, I went to Colorado. I was there for a decade. I was in tech. I was in the startup world. I was running around, I was leading teams and I was just burnt out, yeah. you know, being in that environment, working 90 hours a week and, and enjoying it, but also just getting the life sucked out of me, getting the purpose mm -hmm. sucked out of me. And, uh, I got to a point point where that just became too much. And I said, okay, well, I did this once I left Michigan. I can go to Colorado. I can do this again, but where am I going to go? Uh, and I had been, I had done what everybody does when they go to grad school, which is that's the time that they start a band. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I just like, I picked up music. Uh, and that's, and that's what really took me out to Los Angeles. I really had a dream of being a, a, a songwriter. I wanted to be in the music industry. And at that point in time, it was a hobby. So I didn't have a whole lot of evidence in my life that would have said, yes, at 33, let's leave everything that's comfortable and a, a six plus figure income wow. and go do the Los Angeles thing. Like definitely not mentally what you would normally do. But again, I, I just felt that there was something in my core that was pulling me in that direction. And, and there's a few times that that's happened in my life. And when it happens, I listen Yeah, and I don't waste any time because I don't know if it's like this for you, but if you think on it too long, you're really good at talking yourself out of it. Does that ever yeah. happen? Yeah, hundred percent. Where it's just kind of like you start giving yourself, it's almost like your mind starts looking for these excuses, like to justify your inaction or inactivity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what a and what a huge thing for men, especially men that are big action takers. You know, if you don't really jump on it, you know, 24 or 48 hours and you don't start taking some movement, all of that narrative comes in. And then we just end up being a living a life of not actually taking purposeful action. percent, uh, Yeah. And in this situation, I was like, you know what? I'm feeling called. I can do this. Let's go. Let's go to Los Angeles. Uh, and I went to LA with one mentality, put myself in scenarios that were uncomfortable, say yes to anything showed up at my door and see where it goes. Wow. You know, um, and fast forward that I had amazing opportunities. I got to, uh, find myself in places that were way over my head where I was internally saying, no, there's no way I could possibly do this. But just what was coming out of my mouth was what I said, which is what I was committed to, which is yes, yes, yes. And through all of those yeses, I had so many cool scenarios. Like I got to work with John Legend wow. when he was workshopping his song, All of Me. That was a beautiful experience. Uh, I got to work with Imagine Dragons. Uh, I shared a bathroom with Christina Aguilera briefly, <laughs> like all very LA things. But the, yeah. the, the point of the story that you're talking to is this moment where I found myself. It's, it's very specific how I say this. 
I was at a vegan pool party at Moby's Castle sharing a charcuterie board with the lead guitarist from Real Big Fish. That's quite the scenario, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, and And what blew my mind about it is just like all the times that I had to say yes, that even opened that opportunity. And I don't say that to boast and to say, cause I know a lot of people in Los Angeles are all about like name dropping and all of that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. But like the important thing that I really want to share in this conversation is, you know, there were so many times where I could have not taken action. There were just so many times where I could have like wobbled a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't. I think that's really important for people to hear is like, when you feel it, when you feel it in your body, like just go. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of feel like from your story, I mean, it's kind of like you got to create these opportunities for yourself. That's the way I kind of look at it. Cause a lot of people yeah. it's like, they'll get jealous at somebody else's success or what somebody else has been able to do. But then you ask them, what have you done for yourself? Like, Oh, you want that body? You want this, but what have you done? It's like, well, nothing. And yeah. it's kind of like, well, stop bitching and moaning then. Cause you haven't done anything. <laughs> and it's kind of like, you got to open these opportunities for yourself and you got to rip that bandaid yes. of like pain discomfort and just go for it right yeah well and what you're pointing to is you know is is getting honest with yourself because i think what you're sharing is you know a lot of people get stuck in the complaint of or the envy of oh that it's working out for that person and it's not working out for me but that's as far as they let themselves get to in the conversation as opposed to what you're saying is actually asking the question that that forces them to be honest. Oh, I'm not yeah. actually taking the action. Great. Well, now that you, now that you see that, and now that you're no longer buying your own BS, like now what? Yeah. Right. Well, you that, know? And I think, and I think that like we live, I think, I don't think, I know we live in a society where like, look, it still happens for me where mm -hmm. I'm, you know, lying to myself or I'm not, I'm like lying by omission or something like that. And then I'll have yeah. my coach come to me and, you know, poke me in just the right spot. And be like, and be like oh. <laughs> what is actually happening here? And then I say, thank you. Because otherwise I was continuing to, to take things on from this place of inauthenticity or like fooling myself. And I got such the opportunity to be humbled and have somebody be accountable with me. Yeah. And, and taking and taking me forward. Yeah. And, and we're covering a lot of ground in this, but yeah. Because it's kind of like, there's a lot to extrapolate from what you said, but one of the biggest things that, you, I mean, for me, which is tough, but it's 100% true. It's, it's you got a coach to hold you accountable, you know, and a lot of people don't like accountability. It's like, I'd rather just sit there and complain and, and don't hold me accountable for my complaints. Yeah. I, I just want to complain some more. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I have this, so here's, here's a, here's a practice that I love to offer people like right off the bat, like there's nothing wrong with complaining because inside the complaint is likely an emotion that has been unexpressed or has been suppressed to the level where it, it stays in the body. Mm -hmm. What I offer people is use it, use it intentionally. Because as men, you know, we grew up in society, you know, suppress your feelings, don't show too much. Men aren't supposed to feel, compensate for it in another way, just shove it down and like toughen up and man yeah. up and all that kind of stuff. Right. And the reality is, is all that stuff sits in the body. All that stuff creates disease and dis-ease inside of our own bodies. And what I, I say is like, be intentional about how you complain, allow yourself to process it. But after you clear it out, 
get back to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's kind of, I believe in what you're talking about. And, and 100%, like, the more I look into the inner child, somatic healing, all these different things, where I'm like, bro, like, oh, God, like, this is undeniably hard to deal with. And I think we all got to face that eventually, right? And some of us decide to, and I think some of us unfortunately die without ever facing that. But the one thing that I do believe in is that you can take this and transmute it into something else, right? You almost got to find that whatever it is and just use that emotion to fuel it, right? I don't know how you go about it, but is there a specific way that you use or a technique used to kind of take that emotion, take those feelings, engineer that into something that you can create? Well, I think it's, you know, yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing that might be important to talk about on here is that um, anger and passion are the same thing. They just come, they just come from a different place. So if we're actually looking looking at harnessing something inside of us and transmuting into something that's really going to drive us forward, you know, anger, anger can actually be a motivation. And I think the key opportunity is to be responsible for your anger. It's not saying I have this amount of anger and I'm going to go like, get, get this all over somebody else. But like, people that are angry about things can turn to activism as a source to actually be really passionate about what they're Mm -hmm. looking for. So for me specifically, um, and look, I'm not perfect. I don't, I, I sometimes do an extremely terrible job at managing my emotions, but, but one thing that I'll do is I'll actually do anger on purpose. Like if I notice that there's actually an emotion stuck at me, I'll just grab a pillow and I'll go to the bed for two minutes put on a timer and beat the living crap out of my bed <laughs> as a way of actually moving the yeah. energy. But the, but the, but the thing that's important is, is if you don't, it does a couple things. It either settles in the body and it creates resentment or it settles in the body and creates disease. And then it gotcha. comes out sideways in a fight with a partner or something like that. And so yeah. there's, there's no good or bad emotions. There's just h- healthy and unhealthy And the thing that I stand for is what is the most healthy thing that you can actually do for your body and your emotions and your physicality and all of that kind of stuff. That's super interesting that you just mentioned that you, it's almost like you found that as an outlet, right? And I find that for a lot of young men, they almost don't know that. And and it's it's kind of weird because I think it was Jordan Peters, somebody that I was listening to was talking about how one of the biggest things that we're finding with young men is that they don't have an outlet. Right. It's kind of like they go home, they watch porn and play video games, both of which are simulated realities that don't really exist in the real world. So now when they have these real world issues inside of their bodies, they got nothing or nowhere to put this negative energy into. And it just kind of stays there and it festers and it festers. And I kind of feel like the obesity side of things, you know, all these unhealthy dudes, I think that's probably correlated to the just being unable to actually find a way to have these emotions be a part of your life, but not impacted in a, ne- in a negative way. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. And so there's, if we're going to look down the Jordan Peterson path, um, he does, he does say there's a lot of people that are very much in, you know, the anti-porn and they talk about how that um, mm-hmm. not only experience, not only impacts the experience of young men, young boys, and like the access, right? Like yeah. if we were, if we were young kids, you know, how did you get access to, to dirty magazines Hustler or something magazine. like that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you had to go find it and all that kind of stuff. And now yeah. it's just like Google, whatever, you know, there's a list of 50 million Instant websites access, out there. It's one yeah. of the largest industries out there. But um, what, 
what I think is underlying under like the, the, the addiction to porn, I think is, I might try and make up a few things here, but the addiction to porn is somehow correlated to one's inability to actually be with the discomfort in their own, in their own bodies. And this could be, this could be anything from horniness to, um, to anger, to sadness, to grief, to shame, and really shame being at the bottom of it, you know, and, and trying to do anything in one's life to not be with the shame of the feeling. Cause I mean, shame is a, like the worst feeling that actually exists you yeah. know, in the body. And it's the lowest vibration mm-hmm. of, um, of the emotional scale. And it's a completely useless emotion, but left to again leaving it on the inside of us like it just deteriorates our own system but circling back to the thing that you're talking about around what jordan peterson is bringing is that when young men boys and quite honestly any women that may present a little bit more like masculine there's not a lot of healthy uh example model of masculinity and society Mm -hmm. has created we have created in society a way for young men to become a little bit more separate from themselves Mm -hmm. and um and it's it's actually birthing a lot of men that are really emotional and it's not that any of that's a problem but there's i believe there is there where the gap is is helping people understand that like what yeah. is this what does it mean to have an emotional body what do i do with an emotional body how do i be responsible for my emotional body and how does it look like what does it look like to be a man or a boy and also be emotional and then not be chastised by yeah. you know the alphas or the bullies or all of that kind of stuff which just reinforces a bunch of bs to begin with yeah and the thing is with a lot of that too like when it comes to the bullies it just kind of goes back to that hurt people hurt mentality kind of thing right and i mean i do believe that 100 because it's kind of like in my life you know i'm like these guys were the most insecure people when they grew up right and it's just kind of like, oh man you're a punk dog like but however at the same time like and i talk to my wife about this all the time that you know i feel like on this earth we almost need and i don't know if you've looked into the hermetic principles, but it's kind of like the law of polarity, right? It's almost like sometimes we need to go through that fire to kind of make us stronger. However, I feel like, yeah, you should develop yourself. You should be a beast and all that, but it's almost like you should have that restraint. You know, you should be able to handle yourself appropriately, maturely. And it's kind of like in most situations, you got to do your best to just be like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to make sure that I still maintain my masculine identity, but I'm not a dick, (laughs) you know, like, it's still, you got to be a man, right? But you just can't be, you can't just go around like like just taking advantage of situations, right? Just because you can. It's almost like you got to harness that strength. Sure. Well, and I hear, um, well, one, you abide by this, the the number one rule that I abide with, which is don't be a dick. Um, <laughs> I actually have a client yeah. that has that on a sweatshirt. Seriously, that's good, good we'll merch, be in a coaching man. Session <laughs> and show up in his don't be a dick sweatshirt. And I was like, Thumbs up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> really, really great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I hear in what you're sharing, the there's a Jordan Peterson talks about this too. And and I don't know how 
much I'm fully in this, but it's like, there's this concept that's being talked about, uh, men being dangerous yeah. and, and people are like, well, if men are dangerous and that's bad. And what they're talking about is like men have the capacity to be dangerous, but also the level of responsibility to have that under control yeah. so that we're not in a society where we're, you know, in places where, um, where dangerous was in with was terrible. It was mm -hmm. tyrannical. It was dictatorships and all of that kind of stuff where, you know, enforcing the patriarchy and all of those aspects. But, yeah. you know, there's the, there is a primal aspect inside the masculine mm -hmm. that, you know, back in the day needed to be a certain way to present, to provide, to keep safe. And what that also created was separation from a lot of our emotional bodies. And so yeah. you see the, you see lots of different people in different spectrums where they are highly intellectual and a little bit toxic, but totally shut down to themselves. Like there's no access to vulnerability with them and it's yeah. just, and it's not knocking them, but it's just what they learned. And I feel like what we're actually in is a phase of unlearning a lot of the shit that yeah. kept us from being fully expressed to being yeah. fully authentic. Um, but, and, and, you know, what does that mean for people? We talk about obesity, obesity, like what, a, what is somebody I've, I've never been in that situation. So I won't pretend to know what it's like to be coming from that place, but whether it's weight or whether it's um, body image or whether it's this, it's like, what do you want for yourself? Where are you willing to, to challenge yourself, to take yourself to a new level. And what kind of support do you need so that you're yeah. not doing it on your own? Yeah. Cause no, you're, you're, you are right. Like I, I do feel like you almost need that social aspect, that social reinforcement, but at the same time, when it kind of comes, you know, push comes to shove and you're by yourself, that's when like going back to what you said earlier, you got to face those truths. Right. So it's almost like finding a combination of those two things. And mm -hmm. I guess when you're working with clients, you're the guy that's saying, hey, you know what? Next time you step into that dark room with yourself, this is what you should do. You're probably not going to like it. <laughs> and there's probably a lot of work to do, but you know, you got to do it. And I think yeah. that's where obviously coaches like you really come in to make a difference in people's lives, especially in that of men. Cause it's like, like, I mean, for myself, I'm, I'm man, emotions, like, I don't like dealing with that, man. I'd rather just go to the gym, <laughs> you know, like that's the way I'd rather just deal with my emotions. It's kind of always been a healthy outlet. However, at the sure. same time, you know, there's underlying issues that I know I need to uncover, you know, and it's like, I gotta deal with this and, and work with that. But the one thing I wanted to ask you is as a coach, what's the first thing that you do to get them to start holding themselves accountable? Like, are there exercises? What is it that you say, Hey, you know what, we're starting today. This is what you got to start doing. This is how you check yourself. Is it mindfulness yeah. or? Well, so, oh gosh, there's a, it's a good it's evolved for sure. You know, I think when it, when it first came in, you know, accountability is a measure, it's a metric. It's a, did it happen? Did it not? And when you first get into coaching, you're just like hammering people down and, and just checking in all the time. Did you do it? But the, what I have found since then is one is that first of all, what's needed to have accountability be successful is to understand what accountability really is. Gotcha. Most people avoid accountability or the people that avoid, let me rephrase that. The people that avoid accountability is usually because accountability means something. It means something when they miss. 
It means mm. that um, they're wrong, they're bad, they failed, whatever their story is around it. Mm-hmm. And accountability is just the ability to hold to be held to account. So the first thing that I usually do with clients is one, understand what their current relationship to accountability is so that we can remove anything that is good, bad, right, wrong, shameful, any of that kind of stuff. Because again, like we talked about early in this uh, in this conversation, none of that stuff is actually healthy. Yeah. So if we start to develop a new relationship to accountability, which is the ability to hold oneself to account, then we can come at it from a more neutral place. Gotcha. And we, and so that's really where I start with people. And, you know, usually the first few months is understanding what really works. Cause I think it's, it's, irresponsible to say, well, just because you have this type A personality over here and this is how they do accountability, that this is how it should work for you. My intention with working with my clients is is supporting them in a way that is supportive of their strengths and not projecting something onto them, but also understanding what the next level is for them and holding them to that too. Gotcha. No, because that makes perfect sense. And the reason why I ask is that, hey, you know, there's always a starting point. It seems like that would probably one of the be one of the most important things in that aspect. But what I really took away from that is that you're right. You got to make it specific to them. And I mean, dude, it's kind of like if you come across a million people today, you're going to come across a million different personalities. <laughs> oh, yeah. And look, if I'm not careful, I'll, t- I'll overlay my own stuff on them. Like I'm accountable yeah. to the day I die. Like I am like, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I like, I will not like, that's just, it's been my mode and yeah. that's great because it's created some of the stuff that I've done, but you know, where, where it really challenges me sometimes is, is in, uh, in, in relationship to other people and in empathy for that somebody else doesn't hold the same level of like ride or die with accountability that I do for myself. And so there's, it's such an interesting game to be compassionate for myself and for other people, but also still have a standard. And it's a really messy place. I find it's a really messy place to to live in because I just wish that everybody did everything the way that I did. Cause if we did, then my life would be easy, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of like, you know, you want to be somebody that you can admire, right? And I'm like, ooh, I read that. I'm like, that sounds kind of cocky. However, it does make sense, right? Yeah. Or if everybody was like you, would the world be a better place? And, uh, you know, if it sounds like a catchphrase, I was like, yeah, it might be. <laughs> However, I'm like, there is a degree of truth to that because it's kind of like, it's kind of like your buddy who wears a shirt that says, don't be a dick. You know, if nobody was a dick today, man, today would be an awesome day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Oh, man. Um, cool. Well, where do you want to, where should we go next in this? I mean, there's so many th- different things we can talk about. Well, the next thing I wanted to touch on was the whole leadership aspect, mm-hmm. right? Because we were kind of talking about the masculine side of things, and that makes sense. However, what do you think a masculine good leader looks like these days? Because, I mean, I've read the story of like Steve Jobs, Bezos, and those guys, but they kind of they sound like dicks, <laughs> right? <laughs> However, they have been extremely successful, which to me, again, makes me beg the question. I'm like, do you need to be a dick to be that successful? Or what would the best masculine archetype of a leader kind of look like in mm. your eyes? Ooh, loaded question. Yeah, um, there's <laughs> a there's a few different facets to this. Um, 
I'll attempt to do this on the fly and break it into components. So the first thing that comes up is thinking about, you know, what are the qualities that make a great leader, you know, regardless as to whether it's masculine, feminine, you know, a feminine with masculine forward or, or the other way around. Like, I, I believe if we're going to be talking about masculine leadership, a lot of the qualities that people talk about is, is vision, yeah, is purpose, is responsibility, is integrity. Um, and I think it's, it's pertinent that that those aspects of the masculine be combined with things that people would relate to as normally more feminine driven, which is, um, having access to their heart. That is, uh, that is having access to compassion and empathy and all of those things we talked about at the beginning of this about having more access to the body you know one of the things that i see walk around walking around in masculine leaders is they're really awesome from here up they're like all head their head and the body but like their connection to their heart or their connection to their sexuality or their even their connection to their groundedness is a little bit disjointed you know and so what i really believe is that what really makes a powerful masculine um leader is having full access to themselves and full access to their vulnerability while holding that strong masculine core of holding the vision, um, having the purpose, being the one that's brave or bold enough to take a risk where, you know, other people might say, Oh, well, uh, I'm comfortable. This is as good as it gets. You know, how I look at myself is, you know, where can I stretch to next? Where can yeah. I be bold? Where can I be creative? Um, and if you want to create something great, you got to do something that scares the shit out of you. <laughs> that is the truth. Cause it's kind of like, if you don't ever push and you ever feel any push back into what you're doing, it's almost like, it's too easy, man. Like you got to step it up. It's yeah. like my son, when he's doing his math and I'm like, bro, man, this is too easy. And he even, even he laughs and he's like, yeah, it's homework. It's great. And then, you know, I get him to do some extra exercise with me and he's like, oh, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how old is he? Uh, he's seven. Seven. Okay. Yeah. God, what are you, what are you instilling in him? Like, I guess, let me rephrase this question. So we're talking about masculine leadership, right? And you're asking mm-hmm. me like, and I don't, I don't have a kid right now. Like it's somewhere down the, the line yeah, and I can't yeah. wait, but like someone like yourself who is committed to these kind of conversations and committed to what I, my experience of you is leveling up your own leadership and understanding mm-hmm. what masculine leadership is for you. What are the most important things that you want to pass down to him? Right now, it's kind of like at this stage in life, and that's the thing. It's it's as they evolve, they because I got two boys, one's eleven, the other one's seven. It's almost like they figure out certain things the older they get. But one mm. of the biggest ones right now for my eldest is confidence. You know, I kind of feel that sometimes he's lacking in it, and it's almost mm. like he gives people not too much respect, but it's almost like out of fear he won't say what he wants to say, and it's almost like he's failing from a communication. Uh, mm. standpoint I guess right so that's the one thing that my wife and I are always like hey man be confident in yourself advocate for yourself advocate for yourself you know it's like if you want to talk about something or you want to say it, like he's very straightforward with us but I'm like hey you need to be that way with the rest of the world right because sometimes he'll just kind of clam up and I'm like hey don't be don't be scared and he's kind of more of an introvert until mm-hmm. you know he feels comfortable then he goes full extrovert so then mm-hmm. for us it's mm-hmm. almost like 
balance, right? You got to know when to speak, when to step back and just kind of learning these different things where it's, you know, he's 11, he's immature. He says things that don't make sense sometimes, but it's almost like steering him in that direction for now that I feel is the most important thing is just communicate, advocate for yourself, be vocal about what's on your mind too, but not just to your parents, to everybody, you know, and do that in a way that makes sense. For now, that's kind of the biggest thing that we're working on with him. Yeah. I mean, like, look, I I wish I I know that having that convert, I don't remember a conversation like that with me. You know, I I tend to, um, I can relate to that, right? Like I was confident in certain domains and not confident over here and like felt more confident and comfortable with the women, but like these, you know, football player dudes over here, just like, (laughs) I don't get you like, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. you know, I think, um, I think there's, there's a fear under there that is, I know what's going to happen if I don't say anything, I'm going to be safe. I'm going to be comfortable, all of this stuff. And if, if I say this thing that might be bold, controversial, over opinionated, or if I'm a dick, like I can't control what's on the other side of that. Mm -hmm. And what's important though, is that I think to learn to develop that early confidence is a skill. It is it like is. some of us, some of, and some of us compensate way too much. Some of confidence is all bullshit. It's mm-hmm. like, it's posturing. It's, it's, you know, let me, let me look bigger than I am. So yeah, you don't like... mess with me, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then there's, and then there's, uh, then there's the other thing where it's like, Oh, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to yeah. advocate for myself or I'm, it's like, Oh, that's your idea. Like I'm going to go, with that. And that's not in that aspect, like the indecisiveness or the passing it on mm-hmm. is not like a strong masculine core. Yeah. And so like, what an opportunity for him to be getting that feedback, even though he might not like it. No, he hates much. It. <laughs> he doesn't like, well, sure. I, I mean, I guess yeah. I wouldn't either, but like the opportunity when he's 25 to turn to you and say yeah. like, Hey, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for calling that out. Thanks for pushing me. Thanks for challenging me. Cause how he will be confident even just a year from now will be so much more uh, than he might be experiencing now. A hundred percent. And that's kind of like, cause to us, it's like, yo, you're, you're a smart kid. You know, you know, all these different things, but sometimes it's like, we have to push them to go to that next level. And they yeah. don't like that. You know, neither one of them does, but at the yeah. same time, it's like, if I don't, who will. Right. Absolutely. And while the sense of self responsibility is still being cultivated, Mm-hmm. Right. Cause like when you were that, you didn't really know, like didn't have that sense. I mean, I didn't, I don't know many 11 year old boys who are like, I'm so self-responsible for who I am as a man. And like all of this kind of stuff, like that all happened post initiation back. If we look back with communities and tribes and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff where there was actually a transition into manhood and a transition yeah into that. And what I see in today's world is it just doesn't exist. So it, it starts in the, in the households between fathers and, and sons, Yeah, you know, and, it, and I, and I hear you, I hear you doing that. Dude. And it's funny that you mentioned that um, initiation aspect, right? Cause it's something that I've always kind of thought about myself lately, right? It's kind of like the Spartans, they send you out to the middle of nowhere, you know, and then you had to go, go hunt or, you know, I think they became warriors at the age of like eight to like 25 and they finally got to come home where they could whoop some ass, yeah. you know, they've yeah, been yeah. training all their lives, but even like in different tribes around the world, there was always some type of initiation process. Yeah. And I know that you have your retreat and stuff, 
like, would you think that this would be an appropriate, let's say, initiation process for a boy to go from like, you know, okay, you know, this is who I've been as a kid. Now it's time for me to evolve as a man. You know, what what are different ways that young boys can go about really going through like an artificial process, I guess? Well, not artificial, but like a modern day um, initiation yeah. process. Yeah, well, I, I yeah, I know. I mean, there and there are actually still, I mean, I have not witnessed them, but I have heard stories of tribes still doing some pretty wild shit. Oh, when yeah. it comes to what initiation is and i'm just like no like hanging <laughs> things from the testicles and all of this kind of stuff at the age of 12 and i yeah not interested um you know but it but it was it was a really important thing and you know the retreats that i do right now initiation is a big part of it um and we do it in a really formal way and we do it in a very ritualist not ritualistic but like in a ritual in a sacred way mm-hmm. um to really delineate the before and the after. Gotcha. Um, and we do it with in men supporting men, which is really, really important. Like if you can take women out of the space and you put men with men, there is something available that's been available since time began, whoever, however many years that that was, but there, there is something that is available when men support men and creating, creating initiation and also filling some of the gaps that they didn't have mm-hmm. when they were growing up. Um, you know, as far as what it means to take a, a boy from 13 into 14 and have it be called initiation, I don't really, I don't really know. I can imagine, you know, how it used to be done is it was something that was so challenging and it was so warrior and it was something that was so uncomfortable that, um, you were forced to reckon with a piece of yourself that you had been avoiding up to that point in time. Cause it was painful. It was scary. It was uncomfortable and all that kind of stuff. I don't know how you do it today. I mean, spanking used to be okay when we were a kid and now <laughs> it's considered child abuse and child abuse. I'm not advocating go out and spank your kid or anything like that, but you know, um, hearing myself talk about this, whatever it would be is something that was very intentional, mm-hmm. you know, and really, uh, I mean, I also feel doing it in groups, doing it in community is something that really makes it work because what I know about working with men specifically in groups is that we learn from each other. Yeah. And every time somebody is bold enough to take a step into a new territory, everybody, every other man around him learns. So I could imagine that all the way back to a group of young boys who feel timid or what is this new level of discomfort that I'm going to move into and then one one boy step takes a step forward and that all of a sudden teaches the men the boys around him to take a step forward so to me it's that's what it's all about and i guess there's no like there's no formula around Mm -hmm. it but i think it's needed i see it important i see i see the way that it impacts a 22 year old and i see the way that it impacts a 54 year old and both are absolutely um amazing to watch and it's interesting that you said that too was that it happens in groups of men right there, there's something like almost i don't want to say mystic maybe you know mm-hmm. it, it almost seems like there's like a different energy like that masculine energy almost needs to be to be fully developed harnessed it almost seems like it's it's amongst like groups of men you know and, and i do see that like in all these different tribes around the world you know there were certain events that were specifically for the woman and then there were certain events that were specifically for the men right and 
I mean, nowadays, I feel like since this, you know, obviously there's different agendas out there and, you know, I, to each their own, if you want to be whatever, identify as an Apache mm-hmm. helicopter, you know, it's up to you, man. Like, <laughs> but the way I kind of see it is that we do need to make a separation and give boys and men a safe space. Right. And I do feel like with what's going on right now and like a lot of the feminization of young boys is making a huge impact on developing strong, healthy young men today. What are, what's your take on that, man? Um, yeah, I, I can, I can see that. Like I see, I think there's a lot of evidence out there that, that shows a lot of the trending around that. And it doesn't, it goes pretty similar to a lot of what we've been talking about today, which is, you know, what does it actually be to be a man in today's society? And like, and independently of what society says that a man should be, um, you know, I think it's easy to label the emotional side of boys as, being feminine driven. And I would state that feminine people that are more feminine are typically more emotional. Like Mm -hmm. it is, it is an emotional component. Um, and at the, at the end of the day, some of the separation that is being created, I believe from people who they naturally are is part of the, the unhealthiness. Mm. And a lot of where we are in the world is helping people come back to who they really are. And if that is somebody that is, feels more naturally inclined and masculine and that presents in this way, um, or it's feminine and it presents this way, or it's nine binary and it it presents that way. Like, I don't, I don't really have an opinion on it. Mm -hmm. Um, other than like I'm in full acceptance of people and whoever they choose to be. And to your point around men needing men, um, one of the really things that's unique and special about it is that when you take women out of the space, and I'm going to really specifically just put it in this context of mm-hmm. um, to, to make the conversation maybe a little bit more smooth, is that when you take women out of the space, um, men's relationship to their own stuff around women is out of the space. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter if it is a, um, a straight man or a gay man or any of that kind of stuff. But when you take that out of the space, there is a natural essence that comes forward inside men that allow them to put down their defenses, put down their approval, put down their validation, put down any sort of performance that they might have that leads to inauthenticity and they can be real. And there's a news is that inside of the space, there's a deep sense of trust and safety. And there's a way that, that people can be honest. And I have a lot of conversations with women. They're like, Oh, well that, you know, that doesn't really work or well, why can't the men just be, able to do that with us. And I'm like, look, they will, they absolutely will, but they need to go here first. Yeah. Like some men have already done their work and they're able to do that. But like, there is something specific. I had a guy who came to one of the retreats and he got something for himself and he really, really, really got it. He really, really got it. And he went home and he told his wife and his wife was just like, I've been telling you this shit for five years. And (laughs) But it took it took him hearing it from a man in that moment for him to get it for himself. And yeah. it doesn't, it's not to discount, like she was right. 
she mm-hmm. saw it and all of this kind of stuff. But the, for something that some reason, there was something in his conditioning that prevented him from being able to hear that. And so part of what we do in the retreat is we really create an environment where men really get to come hear the things that they need to hear, challenge themselves in the way that they need to be challenged so that they can go back out and they can apply it. So they can hear their, um, their partners differently. They can be, they can be open. They can put down their ego. It doesn't go into shame. Like all of these things that keep them separate from the world has them be more integrated in their bodies and the people that they're in conversation with and situations with married to parenting, all of that kind of stuff. No, I mean, what you said there is golden, first of all. And second of all, it's like, yeah, you're right. Sometimes, sometimes it's like, we may not be receptive depending on the wavelength or like, you know, like the vibe just doesn't vibe with me. And it's like, ah, I'm just going to be a little bit deflective because of who it's coming from. And I think sometimes you see that there where, and like I said, that's why it's kind of like a mystical experience almost because everybody's on that same vibe. You know, you're on the same wavelength. It's just kind of like, boom, boom, boom. Like the ideas just flow. And I mean, obviously that's not a knock on woman at all, but it's just kind of like, sometimes it's just, we just vibe in an easier way. You know, it's kind of like, we all speak the same language. You know, it's like, we're, you, you guys are from Venus, you know, we're from Mars. Like, you know, sometimes yeah. there are differentiations amongst, you know, the sexes. And that's kind of why, and I don't say that in a way that's like negative or depreciating because there's a lot of spectacular women who do a great job at what they do. However, sometimes there are times where it's just like, bro, it just, it flows easier, you know? Yeah. And it's like he said too, like, there's a place of no judgment. It's just like, I know what you mean not just from like the words you're communicating, but from an emotional standpoint, you know, it's just, I vibe with that. I understand that better. And I think that's one thing that's kind of misconstrued in the society where it's like, we're all, I'm like, no, we're different. Like we are different. Right. And, and sometimes we just need to be with our tribe for a bit to just kind of vibe and then come back to the real world. And then it's like, Hey, you know, I totally understand what you were saying before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, what an opportunity to be humble in what we just learned and also like be responsible for like, I actually know that you've been telling me this for five years and I'm sorry, I didn't get it. There's some humility. There's some humility, I think, available in that. And look, women have been doing this work way longer than men. That's the reality. They are ahead. They're ahead in so many different ways and we are catching up. And like, it is so great that, um, that there is extra patience and all of that. And like, they don't, they're not here to do the lifting for mm-hmm. us. Like men, yeah. like if I tell anything to men, it's like, hey, it's your responsibility to stop lying to yourself, figure out what the fuck you want and mm-hmm. go get it. Yeah. Like that is that is part of the purpose that we are talking. And if you don't know what it is, go put yourself in an environment that is gonna that is going to light a fire in you that is gonna allow you to get so crystal clear that you can no longer pretend that you don't want to go create this life that looks this way. And now that you've seen that, it's like, who are the people you want to surround yourself with? And what I find in the retreat is that you surround yourself with your brothers. Yeah. You surround yourself with the people that have seen you in your darkest and that they know who you are in your light and they know what's important to you. And they are willing to whoop your ass, like from a place of like honest accountability. Mm-hmm. If, if you stray from that, because they know why it's important to you. They know what the fire is that you've walked through. And that's the place to hold back to when it comes to accountability. Yeah. And I think we, as men, 
need to create that for ourselves. So we have that support that we have that community that we have that brotherhood mm-hmm. and not put that responsibility on our partners. Yeah. It's not theirs to carry. It's ours to carry and to build and to build upon. Yeah, dude. I mean, honestly, you tied it up perfectly because we're up on that hour almost. And that was pretty much a mic drop moment. So I'm just going to go <laughs> home now. <laughs> but you summed it up perfectly. And I think that makes perfect sense to what you're working on, Jeff. And I admire your work, man, because, I mean, you're doing the damn thing. And it's kind of like you're making this world a better place through your work and through your knowledge, man, because I think a lot of us feel it, but we can't articulate it the way you can. You know, and it's kind of, that's why I have these conversations too. It's kind of like, okay, let's, let's figure this out, right? And I think a lot of guys benefit from listening to that and being like, yo, man, if there's one thing I can take from this podcast, you know, then, hey, we've made the world a better place. You know, you, you did an, you impacted it positively, right? And I think that's just going to carry over. But Jeff, tell us more about the retreat. Tell us about anything you're working on and tell us about your mm-hmm. podcast, man. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, so many things. I mean- <laughs> You know, the retreat is honestly the thing that I like to talk about the most because what I find is it is the most impactful thing. Yeah. It's, you know, I love being on podcasts. I love having my podcast and talking about all this stuff. Um, and, and the reality is, is that, you know, when we're listening to things, you know, our brain, our brain is so involved and, um, and we're also in our natural environment. And so when I created this retreat, the intention was to create enough separation from our normal lives so that you could actually fully disconnect from all your responsibilities mm-hmm. for all the thing, all the things that you carry and all the things that require your attention and go separate yourself in the jungle of Costa Rica hey, with Costa like-minded Rica. men and creators happening in March, um, <laughs> you know, and, and leave your life for a week and come back a different man, come yeah. back completely honest, come back rejuvenated, come back with your open heart, come back with a unbridled sense of confidence and self-power and, and have gone through it with like another 10 to 12 men that you didn't know before the experience. And now you're leaving with family for life and like community all over the country. And like, that's really what it is. And it's called sea level. And the idea is because, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. And so when I look at men rising together and transformation and healing and all of that kind of stuff, um, I think it's really important and why not do it in one of the most energy healing, gorgeous, beautiful areas of Southern Costa Rica. I mean, life is different after that. So like, that's, that's the thing that I love talking about the most because it's the biggest difference. You know, you can, can go work with a coach. And I, I, I highly recommend that people do coaching and therapy and all of that kind of stuff and immersive and experiential programs mm-hmm. create long lasting, quick, powerful results. Love that, man. Love that. And I'll be sure to plug in all the links in the description. Absolutely. We got to so get you down there. That. <laughs> oh, for sure. Dude, man, I'm, I'm Costa Rican, man. So Honestly, I'm like, love. Yeah. Of course, you are. There's a lot of Costa Ricans in uh, Canada. Yeah. Well, eh, like I mean, I happen to be meeting a lot for whatever reason. I seem to be attracting the Costa Ricans that also so, yeah. partially in Canada. So I have no idea. You're just vibing with us. You just don't realize it. You know, we're just it's pure, we pure vida, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, trust dude. me, it's in my blood. Oh, dude, it's kind of like, I mean, I want to go back eventually, dog. Like I, I want to go live there. You know, I'm I'm kind of Canada's too. cool too, but the vibe, oh, 
Yeah. That's what I already said. I'm like, bro, Guanacaste, I guess, or where where are you guys heading? Yeah. 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 Costa is so there's three levels of the retreat. Level one is the one that we've been talking about. Um, and we do it in Costa Rica. We do it down in the Osa Peninsula. Nice. We do it about twice a year. Um, it's gorgeous, it's gourmet, it's deep work, yeah. but it's it's lifelong transformational. No, I love that. Jeff, don't worry, man. I mean, we'll definitely have to go down there together one of these days. Absolutely. Love <laughs> oh, to. Oh, for sure, man. I'll hit you up when I'm down there and I'll be like, hey, you know, <laughs> you could have it here on my farm, you know? <laughs> yeah. That is the plan. But hey, Jeff, thanks again for coming on the show. I had an absolute blast. And I'll make sure all the links are in the description below. And for all you guys that tuned in, I hope you guys can take a whole lot of good things from it. Any closing words, Jeff? Nah, I think, well, I mean, I said no, but yeah, of course I like to talk. I mean, <laughs> like allow yourself the possibility of being really honest with yourself, allow yourself to dream and be the one to make it happen. Love that. Mic drop. Until the next one, guys. <laughs>